Hey everyone, we are live for our Sunday weekly warm up where the Teach Better team gets to be live every single Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, exclusive in our private Facebook group, which you can all have access to over at teachbettergroup.com. If you are catching this not on a Sunday, you're probably watching this stream elsewhere. We actually release this video out to the full network, out as a podcast episode of Teach Better Talk podcast on Mondays. So it's really nice that we try and give everybody access to every single piece of content humanly possible. But the reason we really, really love on Sunday nights to keep this live feed exclusive to the group is because we love to have a space where everybody can comment and collaborate and see each other's comments. Typically, we stream multiple different places, and then you only see the comments on that platform. So today and every single Sunday is committed to not only you connecting with those of us on screen, but also having you connect with people that are in our private group, over 7,000 plus educators coming together to talk shop, be able to share ideas and share resources. So we very much appreciate you being here. And if you're not already a part of the group, again, head over to teachbettergroup.com. We are very excited to interview the one and only Karen, who I know you guys already know because she's a part of our internal team. She has a ton with the blog department, so you've probably already engaged with her before. But now we get to today do kind of a deep dive. Who is she as an educator? What are her passions? And we have some really fun ideas for you in case you are waiting till the last minute to make some Halloween plans. So we will be right back. And in the meantime, please feel free to comment, say hello to everybody here, and make those connections. My name is Ray Hewart. I am here with Karen, who I get to work with frequently on the Teach Better team. Karen, it's so fun to have you like live on camera. Usually we get to only talk behind the scenes. Right. This is fun. <laughs> this is so good. So Karen, if our community here is maybe connecting with you for the first time, which truly would be hard for me to believe because they probably have engaged with you and just maybe maybe didn't know that they were engaging with you because I know you're a part of a really incredible department in our team that edits all the incredible blogs over teachbetter.com slash blogs. But tell us a little bit about who you are, kind of what you do in education, all the jazz. Cool. Um, yeah, so I edit for the Teach Better team. Um, so anything that you guys send in, it's, I'm so lucky to be able to like read it ahead of time before it goes public on the blog. Um, but besides that, I'm a sixth grade special education teacher in Michigan. Um, I have throughout the years worked in Illinois and in Michigan, and I've taught every grade K through 12, but I'm having so much fun in sixth grade right now. I love that like humble brag that you may not have like meant to necessarily be a humble brag, but it's like, I don't know, I've taught like every single grade level. It's no <laughs> like it's how it goes in special ed. It really is. And people do not give special education teachers enough credit as a student with an IEP growing up. I, I really, truly believe that, but it's just so comical to think that you've supported students kindergarten through eighth grade. I mean, talk about variety. Holy moly. Yeah, 12th grade, but yeah. 12th grade. <laughs> oh, see, that's even too much. That's too much. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> do you think sixth grade's your favorite? My background is like sixth grade middle school, so I kind of love that age. Got it. Yeah, it is a really fun age. Our sixth graders are still in elementary school, so they kind of are like a younger sixth grade as opposed to like a middle school sixth grader. 
but I think every single grade I teach is like my favorite. So right now, yeah, sixth grade is my favorite, but fourth has been my favorite. Kindergarten special ed has been my favorite. Like I've liked everything. I think it's so funny that as we travel during certain grade levels, I know so many of us have had different experience in different grades. Kind of over the years, you just get shifted. And I know that especially as a special education teacher, you just have such a variety already to begin with. Um, but I think you're right that depending on where you currently are, you can always see the pros and cons, right? Like there's always right. something you love and something you miss, you know? Yeah, for sure. Sixth graders, I think they can connect to you a lot as like a human being. And that, that's really fun that they they care about your personal life. And obviously you care about them outside of school as well. And so it's like this deeper connection, I feel like. I like that evaluation. That's so good. I know we have a lot of people in the comments right now. I know Carrie and Debbie are already chatting about not only saying hello to you, which I know they are are very familiar with the work that you're doing on the team, but also talking about just that they love their grade levels and the work that they're currently doing. So feel free to continue to be active in the comments, not only connecting with Karen and I, but but also connecting with one another. That's something we love kind of about our, our Sunday weekly warm up. So Karen, tell us a little bit. I know that your day-to-day -day work is essentially supporting students at sixth grade level with the role that you have as a special education teacher. You're also with the team. So I know you do work for the Teach Better team consistently to make sure that that blog stays active. I mean, we publish seemingly a blog every single day. There's so much content there. What originally got you involved in education? Like what was the driving force to even pursue being a special education teacher? Yeah, so I think I come from a family of educators. So education has always been there. Like I've been helping out in my mom's classroom since I was like a young child, um, just helping her like trace things and cut out things and all sorts of stuff. And then that kind of evolved um, in like junior high to me, like actually doing bulletin boards for her and actually like planning a lesson or two. And I would sometimes come in on like a day that I had off of school, but she didn't to um, do a lesson for her kids. So like, I feel like I've been teaching for a very, very long time. And I always wanted to do um, elementary ed. And my mom kept encouraging me to like, what about special ed? And I think that I had a narrow mindset of what special ed was. And then my senior year of high school, um, our school was really, really well known for what they did with kids with autism. And um, Carol Gray worked at our school. She's the creator of social stories. So she's like kind of a big deal to have working at our school. Um, and she came into our AP psych class and, sh and we just spent like an entire month learning about autism and learning about the different labels that you could have as a special ed student. Um, in addition to, I think what people think of as like cognitive impairments and stuff like that. Um, and so I started working in a classroom of kids with emotional impairments for like an hour or two every day um, during high school, my senior year. And it just went from there. Um, and then I chose my college based on um, they had a really good special ed program. And you couldn't start until junior year. So then sophomore year, I was like, no, like I need to be with kids. So I ended up getting a job as a um, like a special ed parapro at a school while I was taking classes. I love the opportunity to get some perspective before committing to that being essentially your lifelong passion now, that ability to get some exposure in high school, get some exposure in college before that became your official major. I think mm -hmm. that there should be opportunities even beyond that, that we should continue to grow in our understanding of the field that we're in, because we know as educators, it's always evolving, but the opportunity to work with all different types of students and 
continue to gain perspective, I think is such a, a, a opportunity that we have in life that we can take on all the time. Yeah. And I think it's different state to state too. So I think when I, my original certificate is from Michigan, when I moved to Illinois, they just had like a special ed certificate. And in Michigan, it depends what type of special ed you want to teach that that's what you go into. So it was really important for me to get experience, like working with different groups of kids. I have to say I, this past weekend, I was with some friends um, out of town and there was this, this like get together, this Halloween party. And the special education teacher that I most recently co-taught with, who I just think literally the world of, I think she's one of the smartest educators on the planet. She was always a problem solver, just such an asset to not only my development, like as an educator, but of course the students as well, but she was there. And so I just, I just felt so lucky to like be around her again, because Mm -hmm. there's so much that I learned from being able to have her teach me about the students that were in my classroom and really truly learning how to co-teach successfully and learn about the fact that she had an expertise in an area that I wasn't fortunate enough to have. So learning from her was just like an unbelievable asset. She's phenomenal. Yeah, I so agree. And I think that was one of the things that was fun about the conference is just being able to connect with people that aren't in that co-teaching situation with you, people from like all over. That was so fun. No, so true. I can't believe that was just a few weeks ago. It like shocks me that I'm, I still have people telling me, I know you and I were just talking about this, like, I'm still tired from the conference. Mm -hmm. And yet, like, I, I, it's like October 30th, like the conference was over 15 days ago. And even Brad today, Brad messaged me, obviously, he's not here with us tonight. He just was feeling ill. And we were like, okay, Brad, Karen and I got this no stress, like, go take a nap, get some medicine, make, make your body feel good again. But there's so much sickness going around and so much exhaustion going around. I think it's easy for me to blame the conference, but I also think it might just be like October weather. Like October is such a hard month in education. It feels like no matter how you slice it, it's just a challenging month. Yeah. One of the things our school did this year, um, just because I think that the pandemic really brought attention to like kind of teacher burnout and teacher stress and all that stuff they added in a fall break that we didn't have before. So we had four days off the weekend after the conference. And it was just like, so amazing. I sent my superintendent pictures of like what I did that weekend, just so he knows, like, I am so grateful for this. And it just allowed you to feel so much more restored when you came back. So it's interesting, Karen, I've never worked in a school district. Obviously, we've worked with them with Teach Better, but I've never worked within one myself as an employee where we had a fall break, but I have heard that from two or three other people this week that shared mm-hmm. with me their appreciation, their value of having just a little more time off than yep. they typically did in the month of October specifically. I think we always appreciate a day off here and there, of course, absolutely. Need it, but October seems like the right time. So how did they structure it? Was it like over a weekend? Was it a full week? Tell me a little bit specifics in yeah. case the educators listening wants to go pursue this. So basically, they wanted us never to go more than six weeks without a break. So that was how our whole calendar was structured. And it's even more um, involved than that, because when I actually look at the calendar, we never have more than two or three weeks without a change of pace. So like this weekend coming up on Friday, we have professional development. So that just kind of like changes up the pace a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had um, conferences the week right after we got back from the conference 
And um, so we had conferences Tuesday into the evening, Thursday into the evening. And then Friday, the kids had a half day and we went the rest of the day um, with a regular schedule, but doing conferences. And so then we had Monday and Tuesday off. Nice. And those are good days to have off too, if you're going on vacation or something. I think lots of times it's a Friday or a Monday, but to have like Monday and Tuesday off is really nice. Yeah. I so love that. And, and for me, like, it's really those opportunities to not necessarily go out and like plan a big extravaganza, but sleep in a little bit, like make food without feeling like you're rushing, like effectively eat lunch and hydrate, like those opportunities to do normal, healthy things for our bodies, which I know we're actually going to talk about today as our topic, but Mm -hmm. really this reminder of time to make sure you're well cared for. And I know that that will be a fun topic for us to dive into this afternoon is reminding our community to make sure those intentional moments exist. Yeah, for sure. So in addition to obviously your time in the classroom, which which I know you continue to do so many great things, we're going to talk a little bit about more into how to care for your well-being as we get into the show. Before we do that, Karen, tell me a little bit about how you got involved in Teach Better because we have a lot of people in our community who are a part of this family. Many seem to you know, occasionally work in like, how do you join the Teach Better team? How do you work for the Teach Better team? Were you in the community for a long time? I know the answer. I'm just pretending like I don't know the story, but like, (laughs) tell us a little bit about how you got involved because every single educator on our team got involved differently. Yeah. So, um, I heard about the Teach Better team before it was even called Teach Better. Um, because my cousin, (laughs) started to work for them. Um, I think possibly even before you, Ray, I'm not oh, sure. <laughs> Michelle was like one of the first people to ever work in Teach Better of all time. She was well before me. Yes. Yeah. So she told me about this thing called the grid method and she's not an educator. So I feel like I needed educators later to tell me more about it. Um, but anyway, I just, um, she shared when there was an opportunity um, to start blogging for the team when the blog opened up. And so I started doing that and I just would periodically blog. I think that's important to know. You guys don't have to do it all the time. Just like one here and there when you're excited about something is great. Um, and then I heard that there was an opening um, to be a, a editor for the blog. And I was like, heck yes, like this is perfect. I'm editing stuff all the time. I'm on the um, board for our library. I'm constantly adding stuff for them. I also work at a nature center and I edit for them. It's just like, it's something that naturally comes to me. And so it was like the perfect opportunity. Mm, So fun. I love when those things just work out at the right time, right? Like seemingly at the perfect time, just kind of all came together, which is so special. Shout out to Michelle, who's been an administrative assistant within our team for the last seven years. And so glad that she got you involved and tricked you into being a part of not only the Teach Better family, but our internal crew that makes all the pieces run. I I think there's so many educators who unfortunately have this misconception that like the team runs from like one or two people contributing. And it's just absolutely not true. Like there are 23 really, really, really hardworking educators day in, day out, making sure that the blog's operating and the podcast network is supported and the admin mastermind exists and Mm -hmm. courses are being produced and all these incredible things. So just, I really appreciate that even though your role is not always like on camera or being advertised, it's such an important piece to people being able to go to our blog and say, give me a new idea from a guest blogger. I mean, we have blogs publishing there constantly. It's so special. Yes. And it's so important to all the people that do blog for us. Like they are also helping, 
you know, just put together all this knowledge and all this information. And it's so fun. There was one time, um, oh, it's been a while now. It's a few months ago when I read a blog by Alexis Shepard. And I just wanted to stand on a table and like have everyone read it. And it's like, it's not out yet. It's not published. So I can't, but oh my gosh, it was so good. Yeah. Well, that's the tricky part, Karen, is you get exposed to the content well before anybody else. It could be days or weeks before anybody else gets to it. So you might feel empowered on like this Tuesday editing a blog and yet everyone else doesn't get to read it for another few weeks. That must be a very strange opportunity. <laughs> Like this blog will come out and you must read it. It's so yes, good. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so fun. Well, shout out to everybody internally who makes the, the ship sale. And I do have to say none of this would be worth it if it wasn't for the educators that are a part of this Teach Better community, this Teach Better family, all of you contributing even right now in the comments and with the likes and sharing and just being a part of this family. We really do appreciate you. And it kind of makes what Karen and I do worthwhile. So Karen, we are going to get into a really important topic today. I want to make sure we leave our community with some action steps, some things to consider. Yes, we'll talk about like self-care as an overarching philosophy, but our hope is actually to, to talk about it in the here and now. What does it look like October 30th, October 31st, November 1st? What can we do to make sure that we're being good to our bodies, good to ourselves, good to our mental strain? So we'll be right back to dive into some discussion. Hey, everyone. My name is Ray Hewart. We are currently in a big, big, big conversation here on the Sunday weekly warm up. Want to make sure that you're not only supported and connecting with Karen if you haven't done so already, but also ensuring that you are taking care of yourself, which is kind of what we're diving into today. So, Karen, tell me a little bit a lot about why self-care became a passion for yours. And you should know I'm kind of cringing saying self-care because it's become like this buzzword that has no meaning anymore. But I feel as though personally, the way you approach this topic is extremely realistic for an educator and important for us as humans. So you call it whatever you want. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that um, the pandemic just really allowed me to reevaluate what I want my life to look like. And a lot of that obviously is being an educator, but beyond that too. Um, and then I think that um, I also made friends with a lot of people from different countries because um, I'm a YouTuber as well. And so I have really close friends that I talk to about all sorts of things. And like how you do life in other countries is not the same as in America. And so I just really had this different perspective of people that work like a normal amount and then they live <laughs> the rest of their life. They just live it up. And I have kind of tried to transition to more of that mindset where I work really hard, but I also make sure that I'm taking time for fun. Well, I know we're going to get into some strategies that our community can actually do this week to do that better, but tell me a little bit about this transformation that or reflection that you went through during COVID. I know a lot of us did some personal reflection of wanting to better take care of our bodies and re-envision essentially what we want our life to look like, like week to week, what do we want our life to look like? But I'd love to hear more specifically about the work that you did. What did you, what did you consider? What questions did you ask yourself? Yeah, I don't know if it's anything really specific. I just think I, I just reflected on like, what's important to me, what, 
what gives me joy, what is important to me, um, what do I want in my life, that sort of a thing. So yeah, what do I, I think- spend my time doing? I think that's a perfect first step. If somebody's considering today, hey, I want to be more like Karen. I really want to like think through and make these intentional decisions, which I think is good to reflect on. Even if you feel like you've been intentional in the past, why not take an intentional moment now and just do a gut check? Like, am I making the right decisions on a consistent basis? And I don't know, Karen, Mm -hmm. what do you think? Maybe you can consider like three to five key things that you want to see in your life that bring you joy that allow you to feel like a fulfilled person? What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think that sounds good. The other thing I'll say is after this kind of process of reevaluating what I want in life, um, I also read Alexis Shepard's blog, which I mentioned before. And I don't know if she was the one who said this or if she just kind of planted the seed in my head about how um, the term self care is like, it is cringy. Now it is kind of a trigger for people. And um, we just kind of need to move towards more collective care and taking care of each other and um, working for places that help take care of us too. And just like advocating for that as well. I know you and I have been a part of a number of conversations reflecting on how teach better can be better internally, externally with this topic, like collective care. I I think that that's a term that, that already paints a picture for me. Like Mm -hmm. self-care, you're right. I have this cringy, I'm kind of like rolling my eyes every time I say it. Like I know it's important, but it's been so over dramatized and like someone killed the term. I don't know. But what we're talking about now, this like collective care is more than just us making the decision, but also choosing to surround ourselves in environments that allow us to make the best decisions for ourselves. And that includes like friends and family too, which mm-hmm. is really interesting. Yeah, for sure. And setting boundaries too. Sometimes it's not, it's not bubble baths. It's um, setting boundaries and taking your vitamins and going to bed early and just boring stuff that you have to do to be your best. Yeah. So Karen, something I really, really have learned about you. And it's something I truly, I say this with like as much, I like love this about you is that you have modeled over and over and over and over for me, this ability to set boundaries without it being like, I don't know, aggressive. Like, I don't know how to say it in a way that when you, you are so good at communicating when you need something and when you don't, you're so good at communicating, Hey, this is where my line ends. Mm -hmm. And it's not because you don't care about the person you're talking to, or because you don't want to be helpful, but you've such clearly outlined boundaries that then you operate within them and you're very successful. So if somebody is listening to this concept of boundaries, which is also something we've talked about a hundred times, how can we be better at communicating our boundaries? Because we talk about what they are, but don't always talk about how to communicate them. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, I just usually say what's on my mind. So there's that. But I think also um, just this idea of collective care might help as well, because it's not always about you. But a lot of times you're advocating for other people that might have the same needs as you. Um, In my case, my requirements for sleep are a bit more extreme than the average human. But like, everyone needs that. So that's something I'm going to advocate for if like hours are too much or whatever. So thinking that it's not just you you're advocating for, but everyone else that you work with. Well, and I feel as though the language you use is very much like that you've taken time to consider this and you want to share what you've come as what you've come to as a result. It's never, 
I don't know a good example, but it's never like, Ray, I can't do that. So figure it out yourself, right? It's not, it's not a boundary that like creates animosity. It's a boundary that yeah. says, I've been reflecting on this. I don't think this is a good choice for me. And so I want to have a, I want to have a dialogue about it because if I can't do it, how do we still ensure that there's success, even though I'm not, I'm not the one to solve the dilemma that we're in. I don't know a good example, but. Yeah. And maybe offering options for how you could do it. Like I know one time there was um, somebody who wanted me to meet at like, I think like 6.30 or 7 a.m. on a snow day when we knew there was a snow day. So like, instead of just saying like, no, that's not going to happen. When can you do it? Because maybe it's not on that snow day, but maybe you're open to meeting before school on the next school day or something. Well, and I think that there's, now that I'm listening to you speak, I think it also has to do with the tone you use, Karen. You have very, like, I don't know how else to keep saying, I'm saying the over thing over and over, but it doesn't sound like you're trying to be argumentative. It's a very soothing tone. You know, you know what, what you're, you feel very confident with what you're communicating. So it do- doesn't come across out of anger. It's just, you know, that, that won't work, but here are some other options. And it sounds like you're caring for that person while also caring for yourself, which I think Mm -hmm. is a skill that a lot of us need to practice is not just saying yes, because you feel like you have to, and not saying no to be rude, but finding that middle ground of, of making sure that you both can be successful in whatever you're trying to problem solve through. Yeah. And I think one thing that might help is just always knowing why you're doing what you're doing. You know, why do I teach? Why do I work for the teach better team? Why do I work for my school district? Why do I work specifically in my position in my school district? Um, and just thinking about those bigger whys, I think, really ground you so that you can have better boundaries. So some interesting action steps for or challenges that we can give our community here when it comes to collective care. I really love that. I'm going to write that down so I don't forget that. I wonder is first identifying what those core values are and what you when you're envisioning your life, not only not only like five years from now, but day to day, what you want your life to look like maybe identifying those three to five core pillars that you want to operate around. And then from there, it's practicing communicating boundaries, which I truly believe is a skill. I don't think you can be good at it right off the bat, but I wonder if there's some, some strategies in our tone and some strategies where the speak and or the, the way in which we speak and where we're coming from can allow people to be successful. Mm-hmm. For sure. Be good. Any other things that you want our community to consider as you're thinking through strategies of this collective care mindset, this approach, this this possibly, you know, really big impact on on our community as we head into November? Right. Um, one of the things I think that has also been big for me lately is like, okay, if I know my why and I know why I'm doing what I'm doing, I also want to be intentional about like what brings me joy and what like just makes me get like the sparkle of joy um, and think about like a weekend that you've had that has been amazing. And like, think about specifically what you did in that weekend and pick out um, certain aspects of that. Like maybe you hung out with your friends, maybe you did something for your faith or spiritual journey. Maybe you explored someplace new and then see if you kind of can use those as a recipe for planning like future weekends or to plan your school year out ahead of time and just making sure that not only are you setting boundaries, but you're also making so much time for like joy and for play and all those sorts of things. Mm, Such an important tip. And I hope you all choose to connect with Karen 
even well beyond today's conversation, because as you are reflecting on your own life, your own goals, your own mission in this collective care, uh, Karen is accessible to answer questions and kind of help you through your journey as well as we all continue to be better every single day. Karen, I know we have some strategies for those people who are listening, not only about collective care, but also about Halloween tomorrow. Should we transition with some quick tips before we wrap up? Sure. All right, we'll be right back. Hey everyone, my name is Ray Hewart. I am here with the one and only Karen from our Teach Better team. If you have not connected with Karen, we are going to go through how you can stay connected with her. And if you are just popping in now, you definitely want to go back and listen to our conversation, not only to hear a little bit about Karen's journey through education, but also how she continues to make the right decisions for herself so she can best care for others. It's a really important concept that we would love to challenge you to consider as you head into the month of November as we wrap it up. Before we head to November, though, Karen, tomorrow's Halloween, and you know that schools are going to be nutty because it's Halloween and it's crazy. So if it's Sunday right now and people don't have plans of maybe doing anything Halloween-related tomorrow, tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Maybe this will spark some ideas. Oh, gosh. Um, so last minute, our um, sixth grade team was trying to think of an idea for a costume. And like last year, we were nonsense words from like a assessment. We would like, I don't know, like, just ridiculous words that were nonsense ones. And we would try and use our imagination to think of what that nonsense word would look like. Um, this year, we're being PEMDAS. So oh. someone is parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, I'm subtraction. <laughs> I love that. I would love to hear in the comments, anybody with us live, if you want to comment with what your, maybe your costume is tomorrow. I know some schools dress up, some don't, but we'd love to hear what your costume is, whether it be in school or out of school. PEMDAS is fun. And I like that you guys are doing it collectively as a like sixth grade team. You know what I mean? mm -hmm. And we, that was um, two units ago in math. So we're kind of like also giving a little bit of review. Sure. So you can figure it out first. I love that. It's a great idea. I know there's so many different collective costumes. I've seen like crayons before and like all that fun. And it's always cool to see what the teachers dress up as as well. Tell me a little bit about what is happening in the classrooms or if you are thinking through maybe giving a teacher an idea who hadn't thought through bringing something up tomorrow, any strategies that you would suggest maybe doing something fun with kids? Um, I don't have any Halloween specific ones, I don't think, but I'm constantly playing games with kids. So I think like anyone who is doing a worksheet that can easily be turned into a game, they can r even run and write the answers at the very most simple. But um, yeah, I play board games with my kids all the time in class and we do lots of running and just figure out some way that you can do what you're doing differently, I think. That's a great challenge. Karen, I know you're also a really, really big reader and an advocate for just continuously bringing literacy into the classroom. I know like Halloween books might be fun to do as well. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I just read one that um, to my nephew, he's three months old now, and I visited him today. Um, it is not necessarily a Halloween book, but it has a witch in it. Um, and I think it would be good for like all ages, just because there is some like multiple layers of humor in it. It's called Piggy Pie. Ooh. And it is just... Um, 
this witch who wants to make a um she has had enough of all of these witchy recipes and she wants to make piggy pie but she doesn't have the pigs and so she goes searching for the pigs um and she goes to a farm where the pigs know she's coming and have like hidden themselves in various costumes so she can't find the pigs um and then finally at the end she finds the wolf um spoiler alert sorry from um the three little pigs book and they go off together deciding to have lunch together and you can see in their like thought bubbles that the witch is thinking about having a wolf sandwich and he's thinking about having a witch sandwich so it's very cute it's so funny people in the comments also saying that they love that book that could be really good way to just like add a little boost to the day. I feel like any student, any age loves story time. And this is just a fun opportunity to bring them all together and have a little bit of that time together. Yeah, for sure. I know I also, I was always like a huge fan of using five senses to engage my students. So even if you don't have anything going on tomorrow related to Halloween at all, because I know a lot of schools won't necessarily even be an advocate for like bringing holidays into schools, which I totally respect and understand. Something I always enjoyed when I wanted to set the tone differently or be able to control the energy level that's coming into the classroom because of a lot of different factors is like turning the lights really down low mm -hmm. and putting like the fireplace on a loop that so you walk in and you can hear the crinkling of the fireplace and kind of kind of feel like a different energy. I feel like any opportunity to add some fun spark to the room tomorrow could be a good way to go. Yeah, that's so true. In our class, we're doing interception. And so it's just connecting kids back to their bodies. And so we have done hands and we make sure that we have tools in our classroom to make our hands comfy, feet, we did mouth. And then just this past time we did the past week, we did eyes. And that was tricky at first. And then I realized, no, it's not. It's about the lighting and it's about all these other things that can make the room feel really cozy. I put like a reading backdrop up of like a whimsical forest that the kids read in front of now and like loads of things. And the kids also, there's a trend on YouTube for nerds that are on booktube like me, where it's called read with me. And it's literally somebody reading and filming themselves. And the kids love those because they have like background music and all sorts of things just to make the reading time really cozy. And then they also have a YouTuber modeling for them that reading is cool. <laughs> Oh, good. I feel like this gave me a lot of ideas for, I don't, I know that all of us teach, you know, different age students and in different communities, but really all these different ideas hopefully gave you something special you can do, whether it be for the full time you have students or just like three minutes, three special minutes tomorrow to kind of set the energy level and do something just a little special. So I love all these suggestions, Karen. We are going to wrap up here where Karen is going to share the way that you can stay connected to her. But before we do that, Karen, I'm going to be in so much trouble if I don't mention that November 1st, we have something huge happening on our team where applications for our ambassadors are opening. This only opens once a year. So it's a really big deal on our team that ambassador applications will officially be open. They are open November 1st through the 27th. So you have all month to apply. And the application won't take you that long. It's like 15 minutes. But we want to make sure that you have the time to fill out that application. We know you're all very busy. So if you haven't already put this application opening on your calendar, you definitely need to do so. We'll be right back. Here is a few more details of information as you prep to apply November 1st for the Teach Better Ambassador Program.
here. And as we wrap up our conversation, I'd love to make sure our community here has an opportunity to connect with you, not only through the blog department by being a guest blogger, but also just by connecting with you as an incredible educator. Would you mind sharing how they can stay connected? Yeah. So uh, Instagram and on YouTube, I'm Roving Reader. And then on Twitter, I'm underscore Karen Evans. There you go. And it'll be really easy to connect with you. Are you open to them direct messaging and asking about oh, that? Of course. Communicating benchmarks and all that stuff. I think it'll be really good. Yeah. So fun. <laughs> so good. Karen, thank you so much for joining me on Sunday. I know it was such a bummer to not have Brad Hughes here, but I won't lie. I know you and I, like, I knew we could handle it. So I feel like we kind of leveled up. Brad will be proud of, of us <laughs> being able to do the show together and Hopefully everybody here were able to take away a few tidbits as we head into the week ahead. We will see you next week for Sunday's weekly warm up, as well as of course our Wednesday show. Wednesday wake up is always a fun opportunity to check in with you midweek and we are live bright and early in the morning. So make sure you have all the things on your calendar. Karen, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking time out of your Sunday. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. So good for everyone else. We hope you have. A wonderful week and let us know how it goes. Bye guys.